Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God, and made confession, and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him, and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithfulness, which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster for under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayers of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city, which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. 
Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Thank you, Bob. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the message of salvation that it gives us. But also, God, what it teaches us about you, your written revelation that proclaims your holiness, your righteousness, but also your mercy and your grace, your forgiveness to sinners. God, open our hearts and our minds as we look at this passage of events that happened thousands of years ago, that the words are still true and that they can teach us how we're to repent and that you're faithful to forgive our sin when we lay them at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Daniel chapter 9 opens like many of the other chapters in, in giving us the, the setting, the context. In the first year of King Darius, son of Ahasuerus, a Mede who had been made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, I, Daniel, perceived in the book the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to, to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So we learn, well, a couple of things. It's the first year of Darius, the Mede, who is his king over the, the Babylonian realm of the Mede and Persian Empire, Cyrus the Great being, being the dominant king over, over all of the things, but Darius was the, the king there over Babylon. So this chapter 9 really follows chapter 5. The end of chapter 5, we were introduced to Darius after Belshazzar had seen the handwriting on the wall, and it says that very night he was killed, and Darius the Mede became king of, of the, 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 the Babylonian uh, realm. We also see what a little bit about what Daniel is doing. We know that the Medes and Persians conquered Babylon in about 539 B.C. Daniel had been in, in exile, the, the first exile from, from Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar was in about 605. So Daniel's been in Babylon for 66 years. What kind of habits has he picked up? What's he do? Well, we know he's, he works for the king. He's the leading wise man and interpreter of, of dreams. But look what else he's doing. In verse 2, he's reading from the book of Jeremiah. He's reading scripture. Daniel didn't assimilate into Babylonian culture. He he maintained his faith in the one true God. While he's going about the king's business, as he had done there at the end of, of the vision in, in chapter 8, the vision of the ram and the, and the goat, that vision that he said he was overcome, he lay sick for days, but then he got up and went about the king's business, continued his, 
his his work, his job. That was probably 11 or 12 years prior to, to chapter 9. But so Daniel did, did his his normal duties as one of the king's administrators. But he also prayed. Remember back in chapter 6? That's what got him in trouble and got thrown into the lion's den for praying three times to someone other than this same very king, Darius. We don't really know the time frame for chapter 6, but, but in addition to working for the king and praying, Daniel also read the scripture. He's reading from the prophet Jeremiah, and he, and he comes to a passage saying that the desolation of Jerusalem is going to be 70 years. If you, if you can turn over to Jeremiah 29, there's actually several references in, in Jeremiah to the, to the uh, 70 years. You'll find some in one mentioned in chapter 25. But in 29, Jeremiah 29, verse 10, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Jeremiah is writing to the exiles. There in, in, in verse 1 of 29, he says, These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, to the priests and prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah wrote to them, When 70 years are complete, I will visit you and fulfill the promise to bring you back to this place. Daniel reads that passage, and what does he do? What would you do? Immediately call up and reserve a, you know, a, a U-Haul, because in three, four short years, they're going back, Israel's going back to the promised land. This is happening in about 539 B.C. Daniel's been there since 605, so 66 years and 70 years. This is, this is, it's getting close. We're almost there. Are we going to make it? Am I going to live that long? What does Daniel do? What would you do? Verse 3, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. You know, sackcloth and ashes is, is, is mourning and, and humbling oneself before God. He's... he's He's, he's praying pleas of mercy. He's fasting. Why is he doing that? We're going to get in. We're going to find out. But Daniel, after reading that in, in Jeremiah, that after 70 years, Israel will go back to the land, he immediately turns to the Lord in prayer and will see not a boastful prayer about Israel. But he turns to the, to the Lord, seeking mercy for himself and Israel. How does he pray? As I, as I read through it, listen to the different elements and, and see how this, can, this is an awesome template 
for the way we should pray. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. I want to underline that word confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. The first thing Daniel does in, in his prayer is he praises God. We, we call it different things, adoration, acknowledgement of who God is, praise, but he lifts up the name of God. He says, you are the great and awesome God. You keep your promises. You keep your covenant. You show steadfast love for those who love you and keep your commandments. That Daniel begins his prayer with, with praise. But then he moves on. Verse 5, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all peoples of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of, Is of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. Notice how Daniel includes himself in, in this confession. We have sinned. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. To us belongs open shame. Daniel is confessing for him, himself as, as well as the nation, but he's not saying Israel's done this. He is, he's including himself in, in their rebellion. As a template for prayer, Daniel, he started with that praise and adoration, but then he went immediately into repentance, and it's a real repentance. It, it's as if he's taking ownership of his sin. It's not the Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it, type of thing. It's not, well, I wouldn't have said that word if that guy hadn't cut me off in the highway, on the highway. Daniel is, is owning responsibility for his sin. He's leading Israel to repent in a, in a true manner of owning taking responsibility for their sin. What does our society say? A Christian psychiatrist, Carl Menninger, wrote a book entitled, Whatever Became of Sin? And in the book he says that sin has basically just disappeared from our vocabulary, the word sin that people don't talk about sin, don't acknowledge sin. Our culture today is one of which, well, if, it's, if it feels right for you to do that, then it's okay for you to do it. It's kind of interesting that Manager wrote this book in 1973. So almost 50 years ago, he asked the question, what became of sin? 
that our society does, we don't use that word anymore. And behaviors that were considered sin, we give them new names. Perversion is now an alternative lifestyle. Coveting is just an ambitious driver. Manipulation is is being savvy or or having some uh, business sense. One one writer even said that gossip is a prayer request, or I'm just passing on information. Sin's not fun to talk about, but if we don't, we become trapped under the guilt of sin, Menninger says. Sin will kill us from the, from the inside out. We must talk about it, acknowledge it, diagnose it, that we might practice repentance and confession and receive the mercy of God. Daniel is owning his sin. He's confessing the sins of Israel to God. It's a template to us on how we should pray. Paul said, there's no one righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But how often do we truly repent and tell God that we have, we've rebelled against you? We've not listened to your word, read your word, listened to the things in your word. When we acknowledge our sin, it opens up to us more of the righteousness and holiness and just who God is. Go back to verse 7. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame that truly confessing and acknowledging our sin opens our eyes to the true righteousness of God, His purity. Okay, verse 8. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been anything like what was done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. 
And now, O Lord God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as it as at this day we have sinned and we have done wickedly. What is Daniel saying? He's repenting. He's acknowledging Israel's sinfulness, wickedness, rebellion. But he's also acknowledging that they received what they deserved. Real repentance acknowledges God's just judgment. Moses had warned Israel over and over and over again. First off, he had given them the promises of God, the blessings of obedience, but then he had also warned them of the, of the, the curses or the punishment for disobedience. In Leviticus 26, verse 14, Moses wrote, if you, do not, if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and if your soul abhors, abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic with wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you. You shall flee. Moses had warned the people over and over, even to the, the warning of of them being taken into captivity. But he also gave them hope there in the same chapter, Leviticus 26, 40, if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers and their treachery that they committed against me and also walk and also in walking contrary to me so that they walked contrary, so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart is, is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember the covenant with Jacob, the covenant with Isaac, the covenant with Abraham. I will remember their land that, that Moses told Israel that if they repent, God will forgive them. Here Daniel is saying, we have sinned against the Lord and His commandments, and we have received what we deserve, what God had promised them. If Daniel has read Jeremiah, and he knows that God is going to lead the people back, why is he praying if God has already decreed it? Daniel, for one thing, knows that Israel has not repented as Moses had instructed them to do. But if God has decreed something, then why do we need to pray about it? We pray about it. For one thing, God has commanded us to pray. We, we pray about it because we are claiming the promises of God. Prayer 
though God may not only ordain the ends, but he ordains the, the means that those ends are brought about. He brings his sovereign will to pass by the prayers of his people. Dr. Constable said Daniel didn't regard prayer as unnecessary in view of the certainty of the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. He viewed pr prayer properly as, as one means that God uses to accomplish his will. Daniel's reading the word and he's led to pray. He's led to repent. Part of that Repentance was not only stating the sins of the nation, but also agreeing with God that their punishment was just, that God is just righteous to punish our sin. True, re true repentance, in true repentance, we not only own our own sins, acknowledge our own sins, don't blame somebody else, but we also acknowledge that God is righteous and just in the punishment for sins. Repentance, acknowledging, seeing our sins, not living in this world saying, well, there is no sin. If it's right for you, it's right for you. If it's right for me, it's right for you. But acknowledging our sin as it is in the eyes of God, it not only brings us forgiveness when we confess those sins and he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, but it also opens our eyes to the holiness of God and who he is. And here Daniel in verse 13, he said, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated, we have not prayed for the favor of the Lord, turning from our iniquities. They've been there 66 years. It is very obvious why they are in captivity. And yet 66 years later, they haven't repented or turned from their iniquities. And Daniel knows that God has ordained that in 70 years they will return. But he also knows that according to, to Leviticus that they need to repent. They need to acknowledge their, their, their sin against God. And so Daniel is, is praying this prayer for the people he, he probably leads the people in a prayer like this. I mean, it wouldn't be out of his character, would it, to lead the people in a prayer like this and to say, I've read this in Jeremiah, but before God will lead us back, we have to repent and we have to acknowledge that we're here for a reason. Sin and repentance may not be the most popular subjects that we want to talk about today in today's world. But notice that after all of this, there's good news at the end after the repentance. In verse 16, 
O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all those around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your sake, O Lord, make your face shine upon the sanctuary which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas because you, before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. kind of want to jump to the verse, end of verse 18, where Daniel gives the reason. He says, we're not presenting our pleas because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. And that's how we need to, to, to look at our own confession and repentance. Not that, God, I'm repenting because I'm righteous and I want to repent. No, we're repenting because we're sinners, but God is merciful. Daniel says, because of your great mercy. And he, he, he ends this prayer with, with, a, with good news that he knows God will forgive them. And he, but but he, he, he really turns up, turns it up a notch in pleading with God. He said, according to your righteous acts, let your anger and wrath turn away. And then in verse 17, he says, oh, oh, our God, listen to the prayers and pleas for mercy for your sake, O Lord. Make your face shine on the sanctuary. Lead us back that your face, that your Shekinah glory might be in the temple when we rebuild it. And then he pleads with God, incline your ear, open your eyes, and see our desolations. Not because of our righteousness, but because of your mercy. Because of your righteousness. So what was the result Look at verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word in the vision. At what point during Daniel's prayer was he heard? Did you see what Gabriel told him? At the beginning of your pleas, a word went out, and I came to tell you, God heard Daniel's pleas from the beginning. I mean, we know that God knows our prayers before they're even on our lips, 
He sends Gabriel on this mission before Daniel's even through praying. And what does he say? You're right. Yeah, Israel's sorry. You're sorry, Daniel. Ever? No. He says, you are greatly loved. That when Daniel confesses his sins and the people's sins, God tells him you are loved. That God loves his, his children and is ready to forgive them, to forgive us if only we will repent. Daniel 9 is a template for prayer, but also a call to prayer, a call to repentance. It's easy for us to look at Israel and say, yeah, they were idolatrous. They did all that. They deserve everything God gave them, 70 years in, in exile. But are we really different? Are we obedient to God and the commandments that He's given us? Just think about the main two, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Can any of us even get past those two? So Daniel 9 is a template of adoration and confession and, and agreeing with God that we deserve this punishment, but it's also a tool of the Holy Spirit to point out our sin as well. God, I have sinned and been unfaithful, and to lead us back into restored fellowship with Him, because as John says that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, may Your Holy Spirit just speak to us as we contemplate Daniel's prayer, his confession, his adoration for you, and that by our own confession that we too might see just how holy and righteous you are and realize that without Christ's blood to atone for our sins that we would be facing a eternity without you, but because of his righteousness and none of our own, that we're able to be adopted into your family as your sons and daughters. God, just lead us to confession and repentance and all the things that we do, all the ways that we're unfaithful to you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.